You're listening to the Get Fucking Real Show. Strap in as your host, Lisa Cherney, takes you on a ride full of GFR moments. From powerful messages to exclusive interviews to untold stories of super shitty moments before big successes and even real-life confessions. Lisa's been mentoring millionaire entrepreneurs for over 20 years, coaching top coaches and tapping her mighty woo-woo side to mentor the best of the best spiritual peeps. It's time to bring on the straight talk from successful, soulful entrepreneurs, inspiring you to live without regrets, to create your legacy, and be unapologetically you. And now, it's time to GFR. Life is too short to be a slave to your own dream Cause I'm working too hard And I want to feel so alive I jump out of bed because I love my life Living on my terms, I know that I will thrive Being myself, clarity will thrive So I'll stand out and be J-U-I-C-Y Hey, y'all. Welcome to the GFR show. And I am looking forward to meeting this fella. <laughs> he is from down under. So it's like 7 a.m. his time when he's recording it. And wait, you would never know it. I, You would know it if I tried to record something at 7 a.m. His name is Mark Boness. And here, let me give you our kickoff question. Where have you compromised in your life? And what has it cost you? This is a beautiful conversation where we talk about the moments in our lives where we have regret. Now, a lot of people like to say, oh, I don't have any regrets. And I might actually be one of those people. And there is certain times in our life, maybe just a handful, where we were kind of at a fork in the road and there is a part of us that feels like, damn, I really should have taken the, uh, I should have gone the other direction. Well, Mark talks about this. He finally got to a university that was focused on media and TV production. It was like the dream of his youth. And he wound up uh, quitting and going home. And like, that's where the dark time started when he, he lost his job, his income, he was homeless and he was suicidal. And you got to meet where he is now. It's, it's, it's quite phenomenal. And he's super candid, super honest. He talks about, he feels like rock bottom was the beginning of his revelation. And he helps people build tribes. He has a cool Facebook group called We Build Tribes. It's 35,000 people and climbing. And like, this is what he, he does. He has been at, gosh, and I didn't even cover the part where six months later after that suicide attempt, he was featured in 200 media outlets around the world in three countries and had launched, you know, this super successful business, which I was like, okay, I need the details on that. (laughs) It's like one of those things where it's like one sentence in someone's bio and you're like, uh, really how that happened. So you get all of the scoop here on the GFR show. And, uh, I just, yeah, I can't wait for you to meet him without further ado, Mr. Mark Bonus. Mark Bonus, welcome to the GFR show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited slash nervous about GFRing with you. <laughs> well, way to be honest right off the bat, even at 7 a.m. your time, you're in Australia. And so just a lot of props <laughs> for even like wearing a nice button down shirt at so early in the morning. <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> well, your hair, your I always think about how I have to get up and do my hair and you know, your hairline is very much like my husband's where that's really really not an issue for those of you that can't see the beautiful bald man as well. (laughs) All right. So I am excited to share your story. You, you know, here you are uh, at, at 42 years old. You have a very successful seven-figure business and helping people to build tribes. And, you know, it's it's the kind of thing where somebody, particularly for a white man, white male, you know, looks at you and just feels like, oh my gosh, you know, like they have it, he has it all together. He's figured it out. You know, he 
sort of popped out that way. <laughs> and what I love, what I love to share on the GFR show, as you know, that's why you're here, is the story, right? It's like, how did we get to this place? You know, I I constantly, when I'm being interviewed, I like to interject when I'm sharing my expertise and my philosophy and my advice, I'm always like, now, just so y'all know, <laughs> I wasn't always this way, you know, cause people like to do that. We like to do that, you know, look at people and just feel like they must have it all together and I don't and all that. So this, sure. this show's about struggle. Do you have some struggle you want to share with us, Mark? <laughs> just a teeny incy wincy bit. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, Let's go back, uh, mm. as we like to do here. So we kind of gave people a little bit of glimpses to who you are today. And you have this amazing Facebook group, which we're going to link to, that has 35,000 people from all over the world that are, you know, that are learning from you, that are, that are growing with you. And I love it. And, and, and you and I connected. We had a it was kind of fun story is that we were on a, I guess you can call it a panel. <laughs> we were on a panel together and uh, we both appreciated how the other one showed up. And we, when we kind of like <laughs> back channel texting each other and saying, I want you on my show, I want you on my show. <laughs> and so I think it says a lot about you. It says a lot about me, but also says a lot about you in terms of how you show up, which is very authentically. And I feel like there's a reason for that. So, so take us back to sort of the what you think is really the inception of you beginning to be more authentic and more in your truth kind of the first big step towards the man you are today wow okay cool so just to go back a little bit so i'm one of six children uh, originally from the uk so born in the uk now been in australia for about i'd say about eight years and so I was brought up in a Christian environment. We went to Sunday school every Sunday morning and I was the rebel um, where I would disrupt the class. And at the end of uh, the Sunday school, uh, the my, my parents would be in, in church and they knew that the, the, the leader of the Sunday school would be coming down and the head would be up looking for somebody. And they knew, my parents knew that they'd be looking for my parents because what's Mark done today, right? What's he been up to today? <laughs> what kind of trouble has he caused today? So. Uh, and I grew up in that environment, in the church environment, and but I was always passionate, Lisa, about being, uh, I would say being in the media for the sake of being in the media, but I loved TV and I loved media. And so from such a young age, I was, gosh, uh, I was doing everything that I could to, to go to the best uh, media uh, university course in the country, in the UK, which is Bournemouth University. And I was... Uh, from a young age, I was going, I was living in uh, near Liverpool in the UK. And at the weekends at the age of 16, I was going to the BBC in London for work experience, working wow. on live TV shows with amazing people. And I knew the power of the media. So I would then come back and I would, um, I would then make sure that I contacted my local newspaper to tell them what I'd been up to. And there was always a story about local media teenager Mark Bonet. So I, I had this uh, lifestyle of wanting to be in the media. In fact, there was a uh, a TV, a children's TV show in the UK that was on on a, a Saturday morning uh, called Live and Kicking. And the presenter announced one day that he was leaving. And here's me at the age of like 17. I'd never worked in kind of TV in a paid capacity or as a TV presenter. And I, I sent them a letter, I didn't send them an email back in the, those times, but I, I sent them a letter and said, your stop, your, your search for a new TV presenter needs to be over because here <laughs> I am, you know, that was the boldness. And, and that's how I got to, to uh, they said, look, you've never worked in, as a TV presenter, certainly not on a live show. So no, but we loved your courage. And uh, so come and come and, and do some work experience with us, which was amazing. And then Again, it was the same thing I'd watched. I don't know if you've ever seen um, uh, Sister Act. Yes. And, and there's this beautiful part in Sister Act where, um, where the nun's role, what's her name? Oh, gosh, what's her name? Oh, the Whoopi Goldberg role? Or... Yes, yes. 
and Cla she Sister says, Cla Clarence, Clementine, Cla Clarice. Yes, that's it. Yes. 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 We just watched it like within the last year. Yeah. <laughs> but there's a conversation around how if you're, if you wake up every single morning thinking about singing, you are a singer. And if you breathe being a singer, you are a singer. And that's what makes you a singer. And I saw this advert in the local newspaper. Uh, they were calling out for journalists, people who wanted to be journalists. So, so I said so it was a position. So I sent them a, an email or a letter. And I replicated this. I wake up every single morning dreaming of being a writer, and it, and that's what makes me a writer. And so <laughs> I love how I you're was... amused by yourself. You're like you're amused by your younger self right now. He's cracking up, y'all. <laughs> Hilarious. And but it's this kind of creativity that opened doors. They they invited me for an interview, and and here I was. It was a group interview. There was about twelve other people that had, had all this experience of being journalists and and working in the media, and and here's me as like a sixteen, seventeen year old that's never kind of you know written as a journalist. Um, I couldn't even drive a car. Uh, I didn't have a license to to go out to. <laughs> People that I would be interviewing. The idea was crazy, but again, it opened doors and they invited me to come in and, and do some work experience. So I built this incredible kind of uh, work experience situation. And so I, I then actually went to, I was actually invited as a, uh, to go to Bournemouth University, this, this, this role, this, this um, course that I'd just been longing for. It's my goal. It was my dream. It was the other side of the UK. And it was everything that I possibly wanted. And I got there. Uh, and that's when the struggle really, really hit. And the struggle hit because everything I'd wanted to do and be was in media, but I was struggling with, I was away from my family. Mm. I'm one of six children. Uh, my, my sister was about three at the time and I was really close to her. And I, although I'd worked so hard to be in the media, I was kind of a, a bit of a recluse. I was bullied at school and and I really struggled with that because I was the person at school that I started a, a school radio station. You know, I wasn't playing football. In fact, back in that sort of time, when you went to sports and you football, the, the teacher, the PE teacher would pick two team captains to pick who they wanted on their side of the team. I was always that last person. Nobody wanted me on my team because... If somebody kicked a football to me, I would run the other way. I didn't like the spotlight of this ball being here and, and everybody relying on me as to what to do with it because I didn't have a fucking clue as to what to do with that ball or who I should kick it to <laughs> or whatever. It wasn't my thing. So I got to this university and, and it was everything that I dreamed of and it all started to fall apart because I was kind of a social recluse. And so I struggled just building relationships with people. I started to... I was away from my home and my family and I started to have these kind of doubts or, 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 or questioning around who am I? Because I was brought up in this Christian environment. It's like, who am I now? And then plus that distance from my family. And I actually, and I, I really, I hands down say, I regret this. I ended up leaving that course and it was everything that I worked towards. I, I left that course to go back to to, to back to my parents and I became a school cleaner and I ended up studying um, theology and religious studies at university. And I, if there was any regret in my life, it would have been that it would have been not figuring out at that point in my life, who I am, what I want to do, why I'm here on planet earth and being comfortable and confident with with just who I am and yes. so I went on this crazy journey that that then became the the kind of breakdown and took me to a very low and dark place so I appreciate the awareness like if I have you know one regret it's this because I think people love to say they don't have any regrets you know and it's a profound awareness to see a point in time in our lives where there was like, you know, a fork in the road and we feel like I took the wrong one. Like, I just really feel like I took the wrong one. I just imagine I was, I was, as you were talking about the, and I'm gonna use a Yiddish word here, chutzpah of the 16 year old, you know, just the gumption that this 16 year old had, um, you know, to reach out to these media outlets. And I was thinking like, where did that confidence come from? Like, where did that, where did that, that, 
you know, you had such certainty about what you were doing. And do you, do you think that part of that was just motivated by not wanting to dive into who you are? And it was just like a, a really great focus for your energy or like, can you connect with something in that line? Yeah, it's, a great, it's a great question. I've always been driven, Lisa. I've all, like just this, uh, people refer to me as like this, this, this bulldog that's biting on your trouser leg that never lets go. Uh, and that's exactly how I feel like, and if I could, if I could equate to anything, I remember at those, that young age, and I don't think it's necessarily about money in and of itself. It's not, but at that young age when I was bullied and, and, and I was bullied significantly. And at lunchtimes I would be on my own. I'd be walking home from school and I'd be pushed into a bush. There were times when I went back to um, my parents' house at lunchtime to eat because I had nobody to eat with. And I just was fueled at that young kind of age it's not ego, but it was, I just had this dream of one day proving to those bullies that I could achieve anything that I wanted in my life. And, and that's kind of the, the heartbeat of where that came from. Obviously my motives have changed now as we get older, but that was kind of the initial drive. And I think it was that actually, you know, as a, it's, there was a, a blessing in the bullying, which right. was the, the drive to actually succeed in my life and, and never allow anybody to determine who or what I could be. Yes. Yes. I could totally see that. So the expression of like, I know I want to go to this school. This is what I want to do. I'm going to go into to London and I'm going to go to like to all of those things I see now in the way that you've created some more context of like, this is that that was you being somebody at that age like that was you saying i could be pushing the bushes on the way home from school but on the weekends i'm gonna be on the radio and i'm gonna be on the tv and y'all could suck it like you're 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 not gonna show me who i am that's right and there was one point where the, there wasn't a tv production company in the country that in the uk that didn't know about me i i sent a, a monthly <laughs> Again, 17, 18 years old, I sent a, a monthly update as to what Mark's been doing this month with regards to the media. And I printed those things off. I sent them to every single production company. And in fact, there was a well-known TV presenter, again, a children's TV presenter at the time. And I must have, I don't know how, but he, he, he called me at school. Well, you don't know so how you were you were you were giving him monthly updates that's how <laughs> no, i was but I, I don't know how he called me at school you know i was this kid back in the day where i would have a lisa i would <laughs> i had i had a pager i had a pager at school there was no mobile phone i had this pager just in case the the production companies or the media needed to contact me <laughs> ridiculous but they called and they did they did, but I was, but here, but that's the thing. They called me at lunchtime and of course they called, so they called the school at lunchtime, right? Oh. So of course- You Mark, must have Mark, not put your pager number on your newsletter, Mark. Exactly. <laughs> your call to action was not clear. <laughs> Learnings. But uh, here's me, I was being bullied. So I went home for, uh, to home for lunch. So this, this guy called the, the secretary, the school secretary to speak to me. And there's this big kind of message over the antennae. Like this guy's on TV, like every single Saturday morning and he's on TV and they're like, this calls for Mark, it's, it's this guy, Andy Peters. And so I got back into school and even those bullies were like, where have you been? Andy Peters has called the school to speak to you. And it was that, that moment of like, yeah, that's me. I'll just, just Andy, I'll, I'll catch up with him later. You know, it's that kind of attitude. Wow. That's an amazing story. <laughs> Andy Peters, that was that was who called you. <laughs> oh my God, that's an amazing story. And so I can imagine that you finally get to the school that was like, you know, that was the focus of all your, your energy and your efforts up to that point. It was everything that you wanted. And I think our listeners can relate to this of like getting, it is profound to get what you've always wanted and for it not to be the picture of what you thought it was gonna be. It fucking sucks. Because mm. there, you know, of course, afterwards we realize, oh, 
I really wanted to feel a certain way or I thought that that was going to get me a certain outcome and really I just I want to feel that way I want that outcome and now I see that this like this thing that I thought was going to get it for me isn't for me you know I relate that to money and and getting you know having a seven-figure business and realizing like okay this this doesn't feel the way you know I thought it was going to feel and for you to get to that place that um that college and to have it not feel like you wanted to feel must have been devastating it was and Look, there's, there's so much in it. Like it, it was like there's a specific um, module which was design, and I'm, I wasn't very good at design, like graphic design. That wasn't my thing. So there was that that was frustrating. It was my being away from my family. But there's also there was another side to it that I, I haven't really shared before, which was uh, <laughs> I will get into this a lot more. But here's me kind of being brought up in this Christian environment. All, but I'd always struggled with my sexuality. And this conflict was insane, like absolutely insane, because I'm in church every single day, every single Sunday. I'm part of this wider Christian environment. There's home meetings in the, you know, in the week, and my parents are faith-based and religious and you know all that kind of stuff, understanding the Bible and praying and all that kind of stuff. And, and I was so conflicted with my sexuality, I, I believed... I felt that I was gay and that was in direct contrast and conflict with everything that I'd brought up to be with this faith that was inherited. And I remember at one stage, and this is painful, I remember at one stage we in my parents' house there was a, a room in the attic, a bedroom, and it had a dartboard. And I was so conflicted with it was either I was going to choose the way of God and be a heterosexual male or the way of the devil, literally, and be gay. This dartboard, I had these darts, Lisa, and I was in so much mental anguish. I was throwing these darts at the dartboard and I was saying, God, if you want me on your team, make it go on this number. Satan, if you want me on your team, make it go on this number. And I was just throwing it and it was almost like, which side is going to win? And that was the internal turmoil in my mind. So, so dark and so painful. When I got to when I got to university, um, at Bournemouth, I I knew that I had the freedom to start to explore my sexuality, but I was very scared to do so. It's like you can't be an out kind of male. And um, <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you the story. And so I was online, you know, at night, and I was connecting with people, and it gave me the freedom to connect with people. And I started to chat to this guy that was in London, <laughs> and. <laughs> and so, you know, we were connected with this guy in London and I'd spoke to him a few times. And, and basically he was like, why don't we, why don't I come over to the university and we'll, I'll stay over for that and we can hang out. And I was like, yeah, let's do that. And, uh, and this was like the first time ever that I'd ever kind of engaged with a, a, a man at that level, a, a male at that level. So this guy yes. travels from, Lon from London to, to, to Bournemouth. And, and like, I think this guy was like, I know this guy was expecting a lot more than what he got. And because I was so, <laughs> so trying to figure myself out, it ended up that these university dorm rooms where there's, there's one you know, single bed, I'm in the single bed, I've got him lying on, sleeping on the floor, and we're just holding hands over the bed. <laughs> and, and I think you don't think that's what he had in mind? Quite <laughs> what he was thinking. Um, and he went away disappointed. But... But I'm, I'm showing that kind of context because it was this opportunity at university to explore myself. But I, uh, we go to that place of compromise. I compromised myself because I allowed all this history of everything that I was brought up to be and, uh, and this religious and spiritual belief and Christian faith and, and Bible to then... And I chose to allow that to compromise the exploration of who I really was. And so I left that university... I went back to, you know, the, the, uh, back to my parents. I, I, I was a, a cleaner and, a, the, the, you know, to think of this, Lisa, I cleaned, not that I have a problem with cleaning school toilets. I learned a lot, so much during that time about discipline and resilience and believing that I could achieve something, even though I was cleaning, you know, school toilets. But I was cleaning the school toilets of the school that I went to, that I was bullied in. And it was wow. like, 
from, from everything I've just shared with you about how I was going to prove these bullies wrong, that they were wrong. I was on this path to this university and this course. And then I'm, here I am cleaning the school toilets that I went to. And it took me to this kind of tough place. And I studied, I studied theology and religious studies. I threw myself into the Christian world like crazy. I launched a, a Christian ministry. I was speaking on stages. And as I said, I wrote this book. I was, a, I was running this magazine and I met this girl. And I connected with this girl and I believed that I believed that God could heal me. And I believed that I could love somebody irrespective of their outside bits. <laughs> so that was my belief. Now, the reality was slightly different. Well, and you're running from the devil. I mean, that's the thing that I keep thinking of, right? This is all when you left school, you're you're running from the devil. When you got to school, you you were exploring and you were finally had permission and it was like the door was open and it was like slammed the fuck shut and now you're you're completely absorbing yourself in christianity and theology and like becoming a pillar of that community and right because gosh the devil i mean the devil's like right at your heels so the more that you can prove that you're on god's side the more I imagine you felt like you'd be okay or somehow you can kind of put that behind you. Yeah. So at university, it was like the, the kind of sexuality side of it, the, 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 the kind of the, the door was slightly open and I could start to explore that, but I then go backwards and, and, and study theology and religious studies, that door slams shut in my yes. mind. I, I'm yes. never going to deal with that again. But of course we, we can't, hide our truth in that way it just it, it's gonna surface up it's gonna bubble up I, so i met a girl we got engaged uh, we got married and we were together for about about four years in total um and i was constantly struggling with my sexuality like and so we would be i'd be speaking on st on stage on a on, you know in a church in front of a thousand people and yet the afternoon i'd be arguing with my wife like crazy this marriage was crumbling apart and i got to the stage where i told i told church leaders that i was struggling with my sexuality and and that was an awful awful scenario to be in because again the context of everything that i've just shared with you in that bedroom throwing those darts at the dartboard i had these church leaders laying hands on me to release the demon of sexuality oh, that was in me and it wow. was it turmoil the pain the the mental anguish was just it was awful it was absolutely awful and so of course all that comes to a head i told my wife and uh, and she walked out the door i knew that i knew when she walked out the door that i'd never see her again and i never i've never seen her again since that day so that that night i I, I, I turned to Google, I had a computer, I, I had these kind of empty beer cans around me, I was drinking, I was just such a mess. And I Googled Lisa, most quickest and painless way to die. Mm. And that night, I attempted to take my own life. And I, I woke up in hospital the next day with this, such a profound understanding that, that as far as we know, we live life on planet earth once and yet i woke up in hospital at the age of 26 ish and i realized that we lived on we live on we live life on planet earth once and yet i've never truly lived i've always lived a life that i believed everybody else whether it was a esoterical being a book or my parents and i'm not blaming anybody but I'd lived a life that I thought that everybody else wanted me to, to live. I hadn't figured out who I was. It's a profound moment to wake up in the hospital bed. And we've had many guests share about that profound moment from post-suicide attempt to other life-altering. <laughs> we have a, a, a had a guest who nearly drowned in a car in the bottom of a, a, a river. Waking up in that hospital bed and I'm so grateful that you had that that you had that awareness in that moment, because it could have gone another way. You could have said, "Okay, that was my flirt with the devil. I'm gonna try it again. I'm going to, I'm going to try to ignore this this thing again." But 
but there was a bigger voice in you that said, no, I can't do it anymore. I can't compromise anymore. Yeah, it's true. And, and again, <laughs> so that's a stage where I was like, it was, a, it was so tough. Like everything I'd worked towards, I was running a very successful Christian ministry. I was speaking on stage. I was producing two magazines a month. Um, I'd written a Christian book. I was growing in that Christian world in the UK, Europe, Africa, and here's me again, where my in that moment, because I'm a church leader, my job has gone, my income stream has gone, everything that I built in that ministry was taken away from me by the church, because I'm gay, and I'm, I'm, I'm no longer able to serve the ministry in that way. So my, 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 my friendship base is in the Christian world, that's all gone, because Mark's gay, he's a sinner, we can't associate with people like that, it's over. So here's me now, go back to that kind of mentality of being bullied when I was younger, no money, you know, business, everything that I built, gone, I ha again had to move back to the other side of the UK to live with my parents again, not that I have a problem living with my parents, but it's the mental attitude around that when that happened the first time when I was in uh, university. And right. so I was, I was essentially homeless, I had no money, I had no job, uh, and I had to rebuild again. And it was such a dark time. Like, even though there was that, that light of that breakthrough of kind of, we live life once, there's still the the, the hangover that you have to work through in your own mind of, okay, now I'm going to live life as me, but what does that mean? And I have nothing here. I literally have nothing. Um, and so what do I do now? But it was the start of me being confident in my sexuality. And I never forget, I never forget going to, so in, in the UK in, in Manchester in the UK, it's a big kind of gay population, gay area. And they have their, their pride events, their, their Manchester pride, like they have all over the world. So I went to my first pride event, Lisa, and I was like wow. a kid. In, I was like a kid that must in a have candy been amazing. Shop. I was a kid in a candy shop. I was like, wow, this is amazing. People just really uh, owning and, and loving who they are and celebrating who they are. And, and that really gave me that confidence to start to figure it out. Yes, there is nothing like being surrounded by people that are also on a similar journey that is risky or unusual or unconventional or unapologetic and being able to swim in the soup with other people is 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 life-changing and so affirming because so much of the time we could feel so alone in our individuality and in our expression Yes. So true. Did you retain anything from your Christian upbringing and, and the, like the book you wrote and like, was, was it all like a lie or was there things and part of your faith that you read aspects you were able to retain, like kind of, you didn't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Maybe you did it first. And then you, then you kind of came back to it in some way. Was there any of that that served you through that time? Yeah, I think, look, I, I studied the Bible, you know, I studied, it was my, it, for three years, I studied the Bible nonstop, you know, and, and other religious texts. And I was so, and continually be, I'm continually so inspired by the person of Jesus. And that person who is irrespective of, I think there's a distinction, and we won't go down this path, but there's a distinction between what religion has now become versus the original stories and the purpose and intent of those original stories. Um, and so the idea of helping people, of contributing to people, of being somebody in the world that gives, that loves, that works with those who are in need, that helps people and having that otherness mentality, I think is the reason why I do what I do now. And that's never stopped and that's never changed. Beautiful, beautiful. How does your family, or let's see, what do I want to ask? You know, because I, I, I'm, I'm picturing right this young man coming home once again after you know getting divorced, suicide attempt. You have five other brothers and sisters, and I guess what would you, what do you want to share with me on the topic of how your family showed up for you or didn't show up for you during this time? They, they certainly did show up like, uh, you know, 
my parents were brought up in the Christian faith um, and kind of had their own struggles with that ultimately. Um, but I went back to live with my parents and, and look, my mind was still a mess. Like, of course it would be. I was, I was, I was, I, I always say it was like the floorboards in my mind collapsed. Yes. It, my mind, it just, everything just crumbled and, and it was a day to day survival. Uh, even, you know, post uh, attempted to take my own life. And, you know, there's one point in, there was one point after that happened where for a period of time, my mum would say that I, I was in a room physically, but I wasn't there mentally. And I was so lost. I was so lost. Who am I? What am I? How did that painful experience happen? And in some cases, Lisa, how and why did God allow that to happen? Yes. Yes. Why? If, if, if Again, from my from the perspective of my Christian faith, and that was always an issue for me. So, and I saw it in two ways. So, so one is, it, there's many examples in the Bible of how God is a healing God. So if homosexuality is wrong, if it's categorically a sin in the eyes of God, and yet God is a healing God, why couldn't he just heal me like he healed so many in the Bible? And if homosexuality isn't wrong in God's eyes, and the Bible is a is the written word of God transcribed by men. Well, how did He allow that that error to get into the Bible? So at that time, all roads lead back to God. This is your fault. It's your fault. And so I was working through all that in my mind and and trying to figure everything out of what my life is like beyond this and again i've got nothing of no money it's all over and and so my parents were absolutely beautiful and and, and I, I knew that i had to take the attempt to, to tell my parents about my sexuality and i i took my dad out for a drink i took him to the pub and i said uh, so I, I never took my dad out for drinks and he already knew something was up <laughs> yes and i said to my dad I said, look, I've got something to tell you. Now, there was this, this moment of flashback when I, the last time I said to my dad, dad, I've got something to tell you. And the first time I said that to my dad, I was at university. And he said, you're not having any more money from me. You're not leaving university. I'm like, dad, dad, it's none of those things. I, I'm, I'm engaged, I'm getting married. And dad was like, that's amazing. I love this girl. She's great for you. I'm so excited. I'm so happy. So the next time I say to my dad, dad, I've got something to tell you. I'm gay. It was just <laughs> like, oh my gosh. So he basically, you know, it was great. And he said, look, he said, from his perspective, he said, look, there's lots of things that I do in my life that aren't biblical. And therefore I can't judge you. Wow. Now, from his perspective, that was really, really cool. Like that was a really right. beautiful, beautiful situation to be in. Basically just told you you're not biblical. <laughs> no, no, but it was good. No, it wasn't, but it wasn't that. It was a case of, look, I'm not gonna judge you. It was you yeah. figure out who you are. And it was the equivalent of, look, there's things that I do that I believe aren't right biblically either. So from his point of view, in comparison to what, I've ex what I experienced in the Christian world prior to that, that was actually really loving and giving and, I'm here for you type scenario. And then Great. I told my, I told my mum, I, I wanted to tell my dad first because I knew that would be the hardest. I told my mum and, and my mum, she said, Mark, you know, you know, last year for Christmas, I bought you high school musical, the DVD. That was like an <laughs> olive branch for you to come and talk to me. I was like, what? That's she awesome. Was like, that was like an olive branch. And then of course, my, my family started now, I'm one of six children, and um, my, my brother, uh, one of my brothers, he, ca he came to live with me. I, I eventually started to build a business. He came to live with me, and I was taking him out to gay bars, and he was loving it because he was like, he's straight, and he was like, there's so many straight girls in these gay bars, and not, they're not getting hit on by guys. So this is great. Let's go. And then there was just one more person that I struggled to tell, which is my younger sister, that I struggled being away from when I was at university. Yes. I was going to ask about and, her. Yes. And so... And we, we were so close and so, and we are still close. And so we, uh, I, uh, there's many attempts that I had, I'd take her out for lunch and, you know, and I'd, I'd go to tell her, I just couldn't do it. And then there was one day that I was, um, I was with my brother and his wife, so the brother that he, he, he eventually got married, the one that I took to, to bars. I was at his house for a meal with, with my sister. And so we're all there eating. And he just said, 
Emily, you, you do know that Mark's gay, don't you? And I'm like, <coughs> like this is the big, this is the final big reveal that I've You're been like, so dude. <laughs> this is my moment, damn it. And so, and so, and, and it was fine. Like it was fine. It actually, it was, it made everything easier. And she, she kind of struggled and she, she knew, right? She, I mean, look, I, she, I was taking her to gay bars when she didn't know that I was gay. I'm doing, I'm doing, but she knew. She just hadn't said the words, but she, she knew. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So look, it was great. So my family were really there for me and, uh, and they were, and they helped me to, like figure everything out. And, uh, and it came to this stage where I actually, I was, it's funny, like we go back to that. If we go back to that drive that I had when I was younger, yes, uh, with regards to media and TV. So I now had to recreate a life for myself. And I came up with this crazy idea. There's a couple of things happening at that time. And one was, uh, I don't know whether you remember or heard of something called the million dollar homepage. And it was no. this, there's this guy in the UK that every single homepage has a million pixels. And so he was at university and he came up with the idea to sell pixels on a homepage that you could then buy this pixel that you could put your logo on it and the logo would link to your site. And so this started to go crazy and people were buying and he, he made a million dollars. This British guy made a million dollars and he was writing these blogs about how it's going crazy and he was in the media and, uh, and and it was all kind of really successful for him. There was another story at the time from a guy, I think he was in Canada, how he traded a, a paperclip to a house. A guy called Kyle McDonald, he set up a website and said, I'm going to trade this paperclip. Who wants it? What will you trade it for? And he eventually traded it to a house. So there's always kind of creative ideas that I was always passionate about creative ideas. You're like, so I'm that crazy. I'm going to try that shit. <laughs> Well, it was back to the original drive that I yes. had and I reconnected with that. And I came Beautiful. up with a crazy idea to lease a 200 acre island in Fiji, the other side of the world. So MySpace is in its, in its prime. Facebook is, is kind of taking off in its early days. So I was like, can we bring together people together online in order to do something that has a positive offline reality too, that has a positive impact in the real world. And so the goal was to create this eco island from scratch and we would hunt for these tribe members and then they'd decide what power, electricity, how to interact with the nearby Fijians and they would go and, and build this island from scratch. It was like a real life Sims. And I had this idea and I was telling my parents about it and my mum would say afterwards, she was like, I had no idea what you were talking about. I, I just didn't have... <laughs> You would rattle on and on about this thing. But she said, I could see that it was taking you out of that dark mental hole that you were in. So I just encouraged it. And so I launched this thing. And this was this was six months after I attempted to take my own life. And I was in, like it went crazy. I was in 200 media outlets around the world. We did Good Morning America, Today Show, New York Times. We were in the South China Morning Post. We were in the newspaper and, and, and this is what I love, Lisa, is that everything that was meant to be will be. So I've given you the whole story of the media and it was my goal and all that kind of stuff. And so I was in the Metro newspaper in the UK. It's a, a paper that's read on the London Underground, which is where uh, TV researchers are looking for stories. And the, I want to, I, again, everything that I'd learned as that 16, 17 year old. And that you getting, set in motion, you set it in motion then, you know, it's kind of how I feel. Yeah. And everything that I'd learned, I knew I, I, I kind of activated then. So I went to that specific newspaper because I knew that TV's researchers and producers would be looking at that newspaper. So it was in that newspaper. And then that day we had uh, a contact from 60 TV production companies that wanted to, to, to film this as a story, as a, as a TV show. We ended up working with Rupert Murdoch's daughter, Liz Murdoch, uh, Shine as a TV production company. And like hit now, six months later, I'm being filmed to star in my own TV show about this idea that I created. And I'd always wanted to be in the media. It was my destiny as it were. And uh, and it's all just taken off and, and kind of going crazy. And uh, and it's that, it, it was the beginning of that, uh, just before that launch, that idea uh, launched, I was, came to this place where no longer am I compromising. I know who I am in terms of my sexuality. And not only, Lisa, do I know who I am, but I'm proud of who I am. I'm proud of what 
I've been put on planet Earth to to be, and and that drive in terms of media and creativity and ideas, I was proud of that and I excelled in it. But but the the beautiful thing was the fact that from day one I set up a website and I launched a global business that invited people, crazy idea, to become tribe members on this island. And I was fearless and I was fearless because if this business goes wrong, let's say I launch it, it goes wrong and I go bankrupt. Let's just say worst case scenario that happens. It doesn't right. matter, Lisa. I'm still here on planet Earth. I'm still here. So I'm I was totally here. fearless, which gave me the ability to just go for it and make it happen. I love that. The worst that can happen is I'm still here. I'm still here. Yeah, I, it's amazing how people, how many people on this show have, well, I'll just characterize them for shorthand, horrible, you know, struggle stories. And it just, I mean, I'm almost come to the conclusion that those of us that are meant for big things have to have a from, you know, all these shows are called from something to something. There has to be some contrast some instigative event some catalyst some i don't want this i want that instead something that you know you had the drive but it, it didn't you know but there it like needed extra fuel it needed color <laughs> rainbow color you know it needed something else to really produce the man that is here today and I think there was so much going on that I was dealing with, like when I was younger and being bullied and struggling with my sexuality. One of, you know, one of the things that I'd always dismissed it, but one of the things I was bullied for is because people said that I was gay because I didn't play sports. I was interested in radio and, and media. And I'll never forget being pulled in by, and this is so not the right way to do something, but I was pulled in by the headmaster because I was being bullied. And he said to me, what's going on? And I said, well, that I'm being bullied because they're saying to me, uh, am I gay? Uh, that, that, sorry, they're telling me that you're gay. You know, you, I'm being bullied because they're gay, uh, because they're telling me that I'm gay. And this headmaster, I'll never forget, he turned around to me in this meeting, just me and him, and he said, well, are you? Which is the most devastating thing to ask somebody who's trying to figure this shit out himself. There was no nurturing. There was no, it was, well, are you? If only it was simple as that, as a 16 year old, when you're trying to deal with the complexities of the, the, the faith that you've been brought into that says it's wrong, you know, all this kind of stuff building up and you gay. But it really takes me back to, you know, all that goes on, everything that I've just explained happens and I attempt to take my own life. And it, it's like this wipe the slate clean moment. And it's kind of like rock bottom was the beginning of the revelation of my purpose. So I had to go to complete rock bottom to go, hold on a minute, who am I? What do I want to be? And what do I want to achieve mm. without the, the voice of anybody else in my life? What does that look like? Rock bottom was the beginning of my revelation of my purpose. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you for sharing in vivid emotional detail your journey because it makes the next thing we're going to talk about which is what does life look like today what does business look like today so much sweeter and in fact i will you know i have a bias i will admit i have a bias i need to know someone has struggled or i need to know their struggle and see where how they got to where they are before i feel like a sense of connection, credibility, you know, kinship, trust. It's just, you know, how I roll, which is part of the reason why I do the show. And I, you know, knew you, but I didn't know your story. I have a lot of people on the, on the show that are, that I have a relationship with. And so I just like you and appreciate you so much even more now. I just think, oh my God, I, I'm so appreciative that you sucked at committing suicide. Whatever you looked up on Google didn't fucking work. <laughs> Somebody, I didn't ask you the details, but I'm glad that it didn't work and you're here because you are such a force for community, for, you know, your company is, is you know, about building tribes. 
And I, I just feel so much more passion for what you're doing because of where you came from. And I imagine that that really, like that you exude that in the, the leadership that you hold now in the work that you do. So I would love for you to, for you to share kind of like, okay, so that was, that all birthed who you are today and, and what you stand for, for today. And so if you could share with us, you know, how all that contributed to what it is you are doing now and what you stand for now. Yeah, so so I go back to when I was on this beautiful island in Fiji. I was laying in this hammock on this beautiful beach. The sun's beating down. And I go back to the fact that I, I remembered Googling most quickest and painless way to die. And I realized that I, I didn't I didn't search for life coach, counselor, psychologist. <laughs> I didn't I didn't look for anything positive. Right. It was negative. And I realized on when I was laying in this hammock, I was, I was thinking about how many people all over the world, every single day, pour their heart into Google. How do I improve my relationship? I, I'm, I have no money. How do I get a job? How do I lose weight? How do I find a partner? And I just had this kind of realization that if I could work with the people that help those people, to, to find their mm -hmm. audience online, to find those people that are searching, then maybe I could save people, not mm. save in a dramatic biblical sense of the word, but I, I could make sure that people don't experience the depth of pain that I went through. So I became so driven with all these principles that I've learned in, in this kind of tribe building uh, business that I had to help to apply that to the most amazing people that are doing incredible things in the world. And, and that's how it all began, really. I love it. I do. I would like to add, though, that I don't want it to come across like, you know, this is this dark kind of situation that he's been in. And, and then this event happens and this business now is incredibly successful. And it's like this because life isn't like that. And so, you know, when I, 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 I met a guy, I've been with him for nearly 11 years and uh, we met in a pub in, in, in London and he's with your Australian. sister and brother. <laughs> no, just on my own. <laughs> and, and we met in this pub and, and that was a kind of cool story in that he was, he's from Australia and he was on his kind of uh, European trip that a lot of Aussies do. And he was only there for three days and, and we met in this bar and he was day one of his three days and we spent basically the next three days together and then we had a long distance relationship for two years and and then one of us needed to move so i moved and then i get to australia and i'm kind of starting this business that i now have but there were still uh, like hangover struggles like okay. it was almost like i'm now in australia this crazy business has happened i've been in the media it's all gone crazy uh, and now i've got time to reflect on everything that's happened right and so I, I, do, I want to share this so so it got to the stage where i was struggling with like if, if i had doubts about my sexuality I, I felt this incredible amount of guilt with regards to the girl that i married and what i put her through and that led me to like, I just started drinking alcohol in Australia 11 years ago, I started drinking alcohol to just kind of numb that pain uh, of trying to work through that. And so it got to the stage where I, I'd have a few drinks. And then this is somebody that I'd never seen before again, for the rest of my life. And I'd start to message her on Facebook, like begging her for an apology whilst I was not not and I was apologizing. Forgiveness, like, begging I'm for so forgiveness. Begging for forgiveness. I was apologizing for everything that I uh, put her through. And she she wouldn't respond. Uh, she eventually blocked me. But I was, and I, I get it, you know, it was painful. Whatever's going on for her, I don't know, but it would have been painful. But it wasn't all this bright, rosy kind of, and so it got to the stage where I was really, really struggling. And, and uh, early on, I got to the point where I, I started to become kind of dependent on alcohol to function and i'll never forget there was one morning i was i was having a shower and i knew i knew that by lunchtime i would be in the pub and I, it was almost like uh, this is a this is a path that i'm taking it's gonna happen and that you know that's the direction and 
I knew that that could have taken me in such a, a wrong way. So there's one day that I, I thought I knew that was going to happen again. And I walked to that pub like I'd done so many times. And that caused arguments with my partner. I'd be texting my partner drunk and there'd be this cataclysm, cataclysmic arguments. And, um, uh, and it just had to be solved. And there's one day I was walking to the pub and I knew that if I walked to this pub and went in and started drinking again, then... Uh, this thing is never going to change. It's only and, and if things don't get changed, Lisa, they get worse. So in terms of yes. my health, my <laughs> I love that. Yeah, if they don't get changed, they get worse. Yes. Yeah. So my health, my relationships, my finances, everything. And so I made a decision that day that instead of walking to the pub, I was just going to keep walking. And I was just going to keep walking until I felt that this was out of my system and that I was in control of going through the steps of, of not drinking again. And that day, day I decided to never drink a drop of alcohol again. And that day I walked 40,000 steps. I just kept walking and walking and walking and I've never drunk a, a drop of alcohol since. Oh my gosh. 40,000 steps. Like how many hours is that? It was the whole day. It was. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh my gosh. And you've never, and how long ago was that, that you never, that you stopped drinking? So I stopped. So yeah. So it would have been about, it's about five years ago now. Five years. Beautiful. And how has that impacted your business? Removing alcohol dependency. Yeah. And look, and it wasn't like, it, like I wasn't, I, I wouldn't, I was going to say, I wouldn't have called myself an alcoholic and that's very wide ranging in terms of what that means. But I knew that I could get to the stage where I would wake up in the morning and the first thing I'd drink was alcohol and I wanted to prevent myself from being, yes. um, I could see that I was going down that path. But what it did was it, it resulted in me not having confidence in myself. I'd, I'd run this very successful business. I ultimately sold my shares in the business and moved to Australia to do something new and I, I started to doubt myself. So I started to work with people, work with individuals that would, in my mind, compensate for my inability. So, um, for example, I worked with this guy. Um, so I was building this Facebook group and I, I felt like I didn't have the ability to sell, that I wasn't very good at sales. And so there was this young guy in Melbourne. He was a kind of young whippersnapper building a business, working with coaches. He made... $10 million before the age of 25. And I was working with him and, and I was feeding the kind of leads through to his business. He was making the money and I was getting a percentage of sales. But I started to realize like, this is going horribly wrong. He was building this incredibly successful business, but I, I didn't align with some of the ways that he was selling people into things. And uh, we had these very kind of tense conversations and I, I could see that I was not in control of my money. Like this, this, this money was coming from him per month as a, an affiliate kind of commission. But if I didn't have an income stream for myself, I was always dependent on something that I couldn't control and he could take in any direction whatsoever. So we kind of, I left and it's kind of left on, on bad terms. Um, uh, now I'd say we reconnected recently and, and he's somebody I consider a really strong friend and we both apologized for things that happened and which was really beautiful. But there was another person um, that I worked with and uh, I was helping my clients to build websites and she was a web designer and, and I, I didn't look for the best. I, I had the scarcity mindset. It, it was this kind of lack uh, kind of feeling. Um, and I worked with somebody that was cheap and she was creating websites for, for my clients. And it got to the stage where uh, I, I was communicating with her and the communication dropped off. I, I wasn't hearing from her. There was there's websites that were required to be delivered and my, cl my clients were saying, where is this website? And I didn't know. And she disappeared. And I later found out that she'd actually gone to prison. She was working <laughs> as an accountant as well for somebody else and she'd stolen money from them and she'd gone to prison. And wow. I was working with people. I was putting people around me to compensate for my own lack of confidence in my abilities rather than focusing on building those abilities in me, those competencies in me. And so um, there was another strategic alliance that I had that went horribly wrong that resulted in a, a very difficult situation. I made a decision that, hold on a minute, I am going to build these skills in me. And 
after this kind of scenario happened and these 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 kind of strategic alliances and relationships happened i made a decision that i'm going to build these skills in me i'm going to focus for example on sales and that year uh, that, that i made that decision that was the year that i I made a million dollars myself, my first million dollars through me being on the phone, generating leads, generating sales, delivering the, the service to the clients. But I did it myself and that resulted in my first two comma club award. And that award meant so much to me because it was, I finally did it. I didn't rely yes. on anybody else. And, and now I relate I, to that I feeling. <laughs> yeah. And I invest in people. Of course, we uh, we have to build teams around us of people who focus on their genius. But now I, I hire the best. And I seek out the best, and I want the best for my clients and to represent me and my work and my business. But it was that kind of scarcity that kind of uh, kind of came into play there, which is really interesting. Yeah, I really appreciate you sharing that that part of it because sometimes we, you know, that's what I love about the show is we get to tell the whole story, you know, where some people might know, you know, committed suicide six months later, some figure business kind of thing. And I really appreciate hearing along the path to where you got here. Oh, then I started to drink and was recovering from this thing and realized I was dependent on alcohol. And wow. I, and I realized that this was coming from insecurity. And that also showed up in me bringing, you know, working with people that, ultimately weren't in my highest good. And that really came from a scarcity place. And, and really ultimately you get into the place of, okay, I need to learn the things. Like I hear that you learn specific skills, but I also hear that you did the work, the inner work to figure yes. out what the piece was missing from that, from an emotional, spiritual standpoint to, to then kind of like plug that dike forever that you would going forward don't feel the need to compromise in that way and bring on people that aren't are not in integrity and in alignment with this like the, the place you're holding in the world for others and for yourself that's right that's right and i, I don't I, I don't ever believe it's easy in this online world isn't it to see the we talk about seeing the highlights, the Instagram highlights and, you know, the videos and the powerful uh, stories that people show of their success, but it's never like that. And, and that's what we need to get fucking real about. Yes, I'm, I have a multiple seven figure business. I, I love my job, my job, my business. I love what I do, but you know, there are still times where things don't work out or a, you know, a lead magnet that was working so successfully now stops working and the leads have stopped or, you know, there's a, a sales sales teams aren't just converting and, and suddenly you feel like oh my gosh is this all going to fall apart at any given moment and you know that's the reality and i think it's important that we understand that uh, for those of us that are entrepreneurs and and in any area of our life we can be so successful but there's still situations that we still work through because we're human beings and that's the stuff and this is why i appreciate what you do that we need to continually be real about otherwise it's just this kind of from this dark place to success and now everything he touched turns to gold which isn't true is not true and i asked you to pick a gfr commandment and you chose number one which is don't compromise and i think what you really resonated with was the quick confession question which is what am i tolerating mm. and it sounds like that is something directly or indirectly that you ask yourself a lot is that true yeah, I think that that really stood out to me because it's a common theme through everything that I've shared with you in my life. And so when I go back to what am I tolerating? I'm being bullied. What am I tolerating and what am I compromising in me to allow myself to be bullied? When I go to uh, the university that I've worked hard to get towards and uh, to get to and I leave, what am I tolerating by not allowing myself to be me and enjoying this process and experiencing my sexuality? You know, and when it gets to the sexuality bit, I've struggled this with this all of my life. What have I tolerated? What if I put up with the voices of others, whether it's God, the Bible, church leaders, the world around me to say that, that what I inherently am is wrong? What have I tolerated? So I get to the point of no more compromise, no more compromise. And, and it's when I got to that stage of no more compromise, that's when I truly started to be happy. Like in, and that's the most important thing. It's not, it's not the seven figure business. It's not 
the kind of the media or the TV show or, or all the things that I wanted as a child, but the things that I wanted as a child, when I say I wanted to be in the media, but it was, it was to prove the bullies wrong. What I truly wanted was happiness. And now that's what I have. Everything else is, it doesn't matter. Things will come and go. The business will be successful and not successful. Or who knows what will happen, you know, with, with anything, but I'm happy. And that's the most important thing. I think that's a perfect way to complete our conversation. It is the most important thing. And nobody can take that away from us when we make that our priority. So thank you so much, Mark, for making that your priority and doing the work that you do. And we're going to link to your amazing Facebook group and your community and your tribe for people that want to snuggle up closer to you. And I thank you for waking up and well, not 7 a.m. Maybe you wake up at 6 a.m. <laughs> to be here on the show. And I'm super um, excited to share you with my tribe, my GFR tribe, because I'm really, really glad you're still here to do the work that you're doing in the world. And thank you so much for just giving me the space to share my truth. It's important to, to just be truthful, to help other people in their journey. And, and I just value you and what you do, Lisa. So thank you. Thank you, Mark. Well, that was super fun. I love that his favorite GFR commandment was what am I tolerating? Cause he's like a freaking poster child for that one. You definitely want to, uh, grab the link in the show notes that goes directly to his Facebook group. And he just pours his heart and soul into this Facebook group. It's super high quality. And of course he is demonstrating what he teaches around how to build tribes. Now, if you're a GFR squad member, which is only 20 bucks a month, by the way, um, you will get a special bonus training from him called tribe to authority formula, where he talks about exactly how to create a tribe not just in Facebook, but wherever you choose to create your tribe. And it's simple and also profound. And uh, we actually have an awesome Facebook group for the GFR squad. And he said, like, we're doing a lot of the right things, but I also got some tips. So if you want to snuggle up closer with me and other people that are on this GFR journey, we do a Zoom call each month where we take one of the commandments and the confession question, and we talk. And it has become quite a uh, powerful, powerful group. And uh, so, yeah, we'd love to have you join us. Go to gfr.life forward slash squad to join us again, only $20 a month, y'all. We'd love to have you there. And then you would get Mark's bonus training. And also if this is your first time with us, because Mark shared the show, subscribe to the show and anywhere you like to enjoy podcasts, uh, Google play, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, because every story where I interview an entrepreneur will give you hope that no matter what you're going through at any time, it is all on purpose. Over and out for now.